Welcome back to the Coach's Wife Chronicles. Today we are doing something just a little bit different, guys. I have actually partnered up with Kayla over at the Coach's Wives, and we are doing a bit of a collaboration. We decided to get together and record a episode for both of our podcasts, um, and it's really just a friendly chit-chat about a few hand-picked topics we thought you guys would enjoy. So today's show is only part one of the that podcast episode. So if you enjoy what you hear, be sure to let us know and be on the lookout for part two coming out very soon. Also, if you're not following Kayla over at The Coach's Wives, you definitely should be. Her content is amazing and so worth your time. I absolutely promise you. So go check her out. Now that we've gotten all of the logistics out of the way, let's get to what you really came here for, and that's today's podcast episode. I hope you guys thoroughly enjoy it. Okay, so Kayla, what do you feel like in this in this big, bad coach-wife life that we lead, what do you feel like your biggest struggle is just day-to-day If I had to pinpoint, this is my, this is what I struggle with the most on a day-to-day basis. If I only can choose one, because I could, we could be here all day listening (laughs) to every single struggle, but if I only have to narrow it down to one, it's going to have to be schedule changes Yeah, because I have a very type A personality. I have a very planned out personality. And I think with this profession, it has made it even worse. And I have become even more of a planner because usually a lot of the responsibility falls on my shoulders. And so I count on that. Can you give me an idea of what time you're going to be home? And I I count on that answer. And every single time I know it's not going to be right. And every single time I know it's going to change, but I still keep falling for it. And I still keep thinking, okay, yeah, we're going to be home at a good time today. Or, okay, this is what's going to happen. I can make a plan. And so what about you? And since you picked that one, I guess I have to pick a different one. But to pick <laughs> off of that, I would say that you're right. And to add to that, my biggest anxiety with the schedule changes is I don't know if your husband does this or if it's just mine, but the not communicating that the schedule has changed after the schedule already changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. But no, it does. Yeah. When he sends me a text and say, Hey, I'm leaving right now. And then 30 minutes passes and he hasn't walked through the door and I'm like, Hey, where are you? Oh, as I was walking out the door, coach called us back in to talk to us some more. You couldn't shoot me a text as you were yeah. walking from <laughs> one door to another to say, Hey, coach wanted me back in the office for a second. Yeah. So, no. Yeah, we get that too. <laughs> that drives me bonkers. Um, but in addition to that, I think my biggest struggle um, outside of, you know, the obvious, the alone time, the, the juggling the kids by myself and stuff like that would have to be before all of that would be feeling second. And it doesn't matter how many times he tells me that his job doesn't come first or that the kids don't come, you know, after the job. That's just my reality. You know, when he gets home from a long trip, the first thing my daughter does is as soon as she hears the garage even start opening, she runs outside into the garage and he's immediately overtaken by her and then the baby. And then my husband is very OCD with 
things being in their place and things being clean. So he'll stay up till two o'clock in the morning if something is a mess. It's just everything else comes before he and I quality time. And then by the time he gets to the point where he's relaxed and able to settle down for the night, he's tired and he wants to go to bed. And yeah. for me, I'm a night owl. So the late hours don't bother me, but for him, even before he became a college coach, his bedtime was 10, 15, 10, 30. <laughs> so it's even worse now that he keeps long hours on the regular because that's just not who he is as a person. He has a scheduled bedtime and he likes to adhere to that. So anything beyond that is just chaos for him. So I think that would be my biggest struggle is feeling like I'm the last on his to-do list, whether it's intentional or unintentional, because I know it's not intentional, but for me, it's like, man, okay, I guess it's you and me tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. So then what on the flip side would be, what do you enjoy the most about being a coach's wife then? Okay. So for me, what I enjoy the most, I would have to say it's, it's, I can't choose. It's a three-way tie for me. It's the traveling because that was one of my non-negotiables when we were dating and told him, you know, I, I love to travel. I've traveled a lot my whole life. That's just not up for debate. If you're not a traveler, we can't do this. <laughs> and that was one of the main reasons he actually ended up taking the coaching job because he was like, well, this job is going to allow me to travel so much more than his previous corporate job. So he's like, okay, well, this is a good fit. But then on top of that, I love the games and the atmosphere of the games. I was a cheerleader in high school, so I fit right into that atmosphere Um but then nurturing those players and having them over and feeding them and taking them care packages and just making them a part, a part of our family. It's just, it's all encompassing to me. I feel like they all kind of play off on one another because I get to travel with them. I get to nurture them when we're on the road and they're away from their family. So it's just, it's all one big heart <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? I think for me, it's more, um, we love interacting with the athletes. My husband, since he is the strength coach, he does, um, get involved with more than one team. And so I feel like there's a lot more athletes to be involved with, which can be overwhelming. And my daughter has gotten to the point where she can recognize one athlete by their Jersey number. She can uh, recognize another athlete by their name and then recognize another one by what sport they play. So there's a lot to go around, but, um, right. I love, I do love like the athletes investing in the kids and just seeing them like play with our kids and just cause they don't realize how much my kids look up to them. Yeah. But I also, for us, we really enjoy pouring into my husband's GAs and his oh, yeah. staff and the assistants and those types of things. We, we used to do, we haven't really done it here just because we're still getting our bearings about ourselves. But the last school we were at, we started doing um, single guy dinner nights. And so oh, a lot wow. of the GAs and a couple of the assistants were single. And so once a month we would have them over for dinner and I would go all out and make all kinds of food and desserts. And then we would, you know, send a bunch of leftovers home with them. And it was just yeah. one way that we could invest in them 
but to let them know, Hey, you know, we care about you. We see you, we know what it's like to be a GA and not be making any money and knowing that you're living off of ramen noodles. We get it. Yeah. But also to be able to invest in them and just make them feel appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a definitely a huge part. And I just, I never get enough of them messaging me after they've either moved on or we've moved on and say, Hey, I miss you guys. I miss coming over to your house. I miss those meals because you know, you inevitably feel like they've moved on Mm -hmm. and they're still looking back and saying, Hey, I miss that. And so for me, that, that's just, that just holds such a special place in my heart for sure. Absolutely. And one thing for us is that it's, it's been a really good lesson for us to, pass on of like, Hey, you know what, just because you're a GA doesn't mean that you, you know, have to treat, or when you become a head coach or an assistant somewhere, you know, it reminds you of, Hey, I was a GA and these people did this for me and I want to pass this on to them. And you know, it doesn't have to always be the, well, you have to do this because you're a GA and we don't take care of you and those types of things. So it's just been something for us that we have kind of taken on as a ministry. And I love you know, serving and I love having people over to the house and those types of things. So it was just one way that I felt like we could give back and hopefully, you know, make somebody's day a little bit better. Yeah. 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 Well, and so this is going to sound kind of familiar to the first question that you asked or that I actually asked. That was me, (laughs) but it's a little different. So the first question was your biggest struggle, but I feel like this is a totally different question in that what is your least favorite part of the job? And I know at least for me, my answer is completely different to this question than it was for the first question. That's a hard question. <laughs> it's so hard. I feel like to narrow down because when you hear the question, it's like, man, what do I choose? Right. And then when you get to think about it, you got to choose one. You're like, I don't even know what to say. Um, So I would probably say the least, let me think. I don't know. You need to go first. You talk. So my answer to this question, and this is going to sound crazy simply because I do now have an active blog slash Instagram and a podcast, but. Oh gosh, I know where you're going with this. And I'm going to agree with you a hundred percent. For me, it's the publicity. Because I don't like being considered a public figure. And that sounds crazy because of the communities that we're both building, but it's the reality. I I just had this conversation with a coach's wife friend the other day while we were out. And the answer was the same for both of us. I went into this situation with my coach as a huge introvert. And my husband makes fun of me so much because he's like, well, you don't have, you know, a great deal of friends. And to me, I'm like, if I have five friends, I'm great mm-hmm. for him. He has a group of friends almost in every single state in America. And it's just ridiculous <laughs> for me. I don't need that many people. So for me, I don't like the fact that no matter what I do, no matter what I go, no matter where I go, no matter what I put on, no matter how incognito I try to be, I'm always coach's wife and somebody always recognizes me as such. And so I don't like having to always be on no matter where I am. I don't like the fact that I can be having the worst of worst days. I could be 
feeling like death. And if I run into a donor or someone else who just wants to talk about basketball, I have to immediately turn it on and give into it and just be coach's wife in that moment. I don't like that. I don't like that I no longer have no anonymity. So for me, it's twofold because I like my privacy. I like being under the radar, but then it's a catch 22 because being a coach's wife has forced me to be less of an introvert. Now I still have those moments, but I don't have a choice because I've had so many conversations with my husband, like, well, babe, you have to do this. And right. You have to do stuff. You have to volunteer in the community and you have to do this and you have to show up and you, you have to be nice and you have to smile and you have to shake hands. (laughs) (laughs) You have to go to donor functions. And I'm like, but I don't want to, but it's really not an option. Now there are times that I say no, so don't get me wrong. I don't show up for everything. There are times (laughs) that I say no, and I have to for my own peace of mind, but overall it's really changed a key part of my personality and who I am at my core because if it weren't for this life I wouldn't be doing any of it I'd stay in my little bubble I'd stay in my little shell I never would have started the Instagram I never would have started the podcast because it's really at my core not who I am mm-hmm. so that would be it for me that my my anonymity just being completely gone yeah <laughs> Well, that's where we're completely different then because I don't think that the strength coach wives have that issue. No one really knows who the strength coach is. No one really knows who the strength coach wife is. So I guess you can live through me and, and I just, I'm kind of invisible in the crowd. So, and I like it that way. I'll take it that way. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Now Um, what's yours? Okay. So the, the, and this is what I thought you were going to say and you didn't. So it won't be the same thing. My least favorite part is always having to watch him check his phone because he has to stay connected to um, what the coaches are needing from him or schedule changes that they're texting out for practice plans Mm -hmm. and um, what other strength coaches are tagging him in on Twitter, Mm -hmm. those types of things. I or if he has to go up and talk to a recruit or something like that, I just am like, okay, I, I'm talking right now. So if I need to, I'll take your phone and strap it to my forehead if you will just look me in the eye for a minute because I'm trying to tell you something. So that's probably my least favorite thing. I, I think I want to – we probably get in fights about cell phone use probably yeah. every other day. <laughs> well, and I totally get it, and that is definitely on my list of least favorite parts of this job. And – I'll, I'll add to that because I don't even know if your husband has this to worry about being that he is a strength coach, but I know mine is always on Twitter and Instagram for, you know, possible NCAA violations. You have to watch what the players post at all times because anything that they're not thinking of can count as an NCAA violation and somebody has to be on top of them to make them take it down before it becomes an issue. Yeah. So no, I totally get that. And then, you know, 
on top of that, and I know your husband probably watches this too, all of the job changes, and especially now with the whole FBI investigation thing going on. So there's always somebody in job movement, and everybody's constantly watching that, and then it becomes a thing of, well, who's in line to get that job? And it's like, really? Do we, is that really necessary? And so sometimes I find myself telling him, or let, let me back at, I find myself ear hustling, as I call it, <laughs> when he's on the phone, because I've gotten into this mode where I analyze his conversations and say, okay, that's a necessary conversation. So let me leave him alone. That's not a necessary conversation. So I'm like, bud, you need to get off the phone. Like, we're not going to sit here and waste our quality time on a gossip session. Like that can wait. (laughs) Yeah. No, he doesn't have to deal with that. Thank goodness. So I'm thankful for that. Oh gosh. The things that we go through as coaches. (laughs) So I have another question for you because you kind of touched on it in differentiating what your husband has to deal with versus what a, I guess, quote unquote, traditional coach Mm -hmm. has to deal with. So how do you feel as if your vantage point differs being that of a strength coach wife? Um, I feel like my husband has more of a different relationship with the players only because he doesn't dictate playing time. Right. So I feel like the players are more some, not all they're more open with us. I feel like in kind of sharing some situations they might be going through or just, you know, feeling like they can be goofy a little bit more. Um, I know that's how it is here, especially with our softball players. They're super goofy. And I mean, just like randomly walking up and asking, you know, if I've watched, this movie or that movie and like they'll, you know, just hang out and they're great with the kids and stuff like that. So I feel like it's more of a, like a friendship type thing that is at least easier to, um, form just because like I said, they don't dictate playing time. So really we're not, we're not really anything to them (laughs) other than years there to jump over. Yeah, exactly. So we're just more, I mean, I guess the strength coach is more support staff. So I guess that makes me more the supportive role. Right. Um, it's different from that. And I feel like it's just, it's a lot less. Well, I will, let me just speak from my situation. We, um, were hired by the administration, not by a specific sport or coach. So I feel like his job is a little bit more safe when it comes to seasons and different things like that. Gotcha. So it's easier to kind of, I guess, be more relaxed and making friends with everybody on the staff and making friends with administration and making friends with other people and just kind of just being a, I guess, just a support role for everybody. Well, then moving is moving less of a concern in that type of situation. And I ask that because in my experience in the last seven seasons, our strength coach has always been picked by the head coach. So I've never been in a situation where the strength coach was actually picked by the admin. So that intrigues me a little bit. Well, and we have always been um, kind of top priority to my, this is actually the first year my husband has not traveled with football. And so, um, usually at most schools, like the football coach will have the highest pick. Mm -hmm. Um, and then depending, but if you're going to be like a basketball strength coach, then, you know, of course the basketball coach will have the highest pick. And so the coach does have a lot of pull in it, 
Um, but I don't necessarily think that it's if the head coach gets fired, then we get fired type of situation, especially in my husband's case where, and I could be totally wrong in this, but just from experience and what we've talked about and different things, you know, he, he trains men's and women's basketball, softball and volleyball. So he's kind of invested in other sports that are doing, and some sports are doing really well and some are not. So I think it's more of just like an administrative call as to maybe if he is, um, you know, helping the rest of the department and not just one specific team. I'm not really hundred percent sure how that works. I guess it probably would just depend on how much pull the head coach has. Gotcha. That's neat. Cause like I said, our, every, the three schools that we've been at, the strength coach was always a direct hire of the head coach. And so in our situations, if he left, the strength coach went with us. So like at our, before we were here at Murray State, VCU and UT Chattanooga, that head coach, our strength coach went with us. So, you know, for us, we had a a strong relationship with our strength coach and then ultimately his wife and they, they were always with us. So we knew them and we knew them very well. And, you know, there were, there was no difference for us and their job and being on our staff. So that's just, that's a different perspective for me because I didn't even know that that was an option as far as, you know, being an admin hire and then potentially um, your job being safe if that coach decides to move on or gets fired. So. Yeah. And I think it just depends with each program, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, okay. So here is my question for you. Yeah. What did you do um, before becoming a coach's wife or when you were, were what were you doing uh, for a job? I know you stay home now, right? Yes. What was your title before coach's wife? Okay. So I was director of billing operations. <laughs> so when I, when coach and I reconnected, cause I never say met because we met initially our freshman year in college, but it was kind of a mutual, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and we went our separate ways and just ended up reconnecting later. So when we reconnected later, um, I actually lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was the director of billing operations for a chain of urgent care facilities. So I managed the day-to-day patient billing back office operations for three urgent care clinics in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so I, I always say that we were both kind of <laughs> corporate big wigs in our own <laughs> and I didn't want to leave because, you know, I had, I had my career locked in. I had it set where I wanted it to be. I was making enough money to take care of me and whoever else, if I decided to at that point in time. And, and for me, I'm a city girl, die hard city girl. So, you know, I worked technically, I worked in the country because my, my clinics were out in McDonough, Georgia, which if you're familiar with Atlanta is about 30 to 45 minutes outside of the heart of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of commuted, not kind of, I did <laughs> I commuted <laughs> to work every day, but then I came home and lived directly in the heart of Atlanta. But I did that because I didn't have any, I was smart. I was strategic about where I lived versus where I worked. So I didn't have to sit in all that Atlanta traffic. Uh-huh. Um, 
so it worked for me. I had a 30, 45 minute commute, but it was absolutely no traffic both ways. Um, but so yeah, that's what I did. I managed um, three urgent care facilities. And essentially, even though it says my title was director of billing operations that encompass so much to patient care, being directly in the room with patients when certain things were going on, back house operations, and just the whole corporate reporting and, you know, managing shebang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> boring stuff. Very boring <laughs> stuff. Hey, someone's got to do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was, you know, my mom is a registered nurse. So I grew up in a household of, you know, just medical stuff all the time, but I just knew I, I couldn't do that. I'm not the one to touch the blood to actually treat patients. <laughs> like, no, thank you. But I also knew that the medical field is a very secure and if you do it right, lucrative field. So I was like, okay, I want to be in the medical field because I know I'll always have a job, but at the same, especially in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> so yeah. if you are in the medical field and you need a job, Atlanta is definitely the place to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but I just, I could not do direct provider to patient care. That's just not my thing. And it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't blame you. I don't think I could do that either. No. <laughs> so what about you? I, um, am a licensed cosmetologist. Oh, and wow. So I, um, well, I'm licensed in Indiana. And okay. so when my husband and I met, my husband and I actually um, went to high school together, and we never dated in high school. We, <laughs> we thought each other was annoying. He thought I was a snob. I thought he was obnoxious. Never really hung out. We had one class together. Um, and so we actually kind of reconnected ha um, probably towards the end to right after me graduating from cosmetology school. And so... Um, he was attending college. I had just finished. I was living on my own, working in a salon. And um, when we got engaged, he wanted to go to the other side of the state to go to grad school. And so I told him, obviously, like we would have to be married first because I'm not just going to give up my entire life to follow okay. you wherever you want. And so um, we did. We got married and I worked in a salon while he finished up school. And then um, once we moved across the state, a lot of the salons were more booth rent. And so yeah. going in and having no clientele, I just couldn't afford it. And so yeah. I just got a job at a bank and I worked at a bank for a while. And then um, actually right before my husband got into coaching, um, I was actually in school to be a dental assistant. And so I had just graduated from doing that. And he was kind of like, Hey, I kind of feel like God's calling me into coaching. <laughs> I kind of want to do this. And you know, what do you think? And so I was just like, okay, well these Indiana, um, certifications are literally going to do me nothing. <laughs> so we, um, he, he got his first, um, GA or, um, intern spot in Charleston, South Carolina. And so I just kind of followed him in love and we, yeah. you know, we went and I worked in a dentist's office down there in the front office because I had found out I was pregnant, um, three days before we moved. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't take x-rays. I couldn't do anything like that. So they stuck yeah. me in the front office and it was great. I really enjoyed it. I loved the girls I worked with. I worked there 
my entire pregnancy and it was great. And then once we had my daughter, I just, I stay, started to stay home and I've been home ever since. And so, I'm so you've sure. never been a working coach's wife slash mom. I have not. We, well, when we, um, I worked in a daycare for a little bit, but I was able to take her with me. So it was, oh, wow, that's nice. but we did it for just a couple months and then, yeah, so I'll do hair out of the house here and there. Um, yeah. just do little things here and there, but yeah, it's pretty much just been full-time home taking care of the kids and running the house. Well, that's funny because I, for a time, when, when we had our first child, when we were at UT chat, um, I just, when she, you know, first baby, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, um, when she became three months, I looked at her and was like, she still looks like a newborn. There's no way I can stick her in daycare. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you know, that particular coaching job was, you know, I mean, it was one person's salary. It wasn't a lot of money. Um, and so, but he was like, you know what? Just don't go back. We'll figure yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. What's crazy about that is he said that I did it two weeks later. We were moving to VCU. <laughs> I could you not. <laughs> it may have been even less than two weeks. And it was just a literal, like it came out of the blue for everybody. It's just coach called one night and was like, Hey, I just took the VCU job. I need you to pack a bag. Cause you're getting on a plane with me tomorrow to go do the interview. And that's that. Um, my house is packed in 24 hours and we were gone. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so then we were in a whole new realm of basketball at a, mostly high major school, I mean, VC, you could be mid slash high, depending on who you talk to. But, um, and so me working was no longer a concern at that point, mm -hmm. but it got to a point that my daughter turned to, or was on the verge of turning to, it was maybe a month or two before she actually turned to, but she kept asking to go see friends, to go see friends and go see friends. And it just got to a point where me taking her to the gym with me and being in that daycare while I worked out just wasn't, she wanted more interaction than yeah. that. And so we put her in childcare because she wanted to go. And at that point I'm like, well, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have a kid at home with me all day to care for. There's only so much working out that I could do <laughs> at the gym. <laughs> And at that point, I'd fully recovered, you know, from my pregnancy as far as my pre-pregnancy goal. So I'm like, all right, what do I do? And so I said, well, you know what? I'll just go back to work. I'm going to take a step back from management because I don't want to do that because those responsibilities with a kid and being a coach's wife, it's just not, you can't keep up with that. It's just, it's not realistic. Right. Um, and so I went back to work and I shortly figured out, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> So I probably, I probably worked that job maybe three to four months. And I was like, you know what? And it was right around the time before conference play. So stuff just got crazy. We went to the NCAA tournament and luckily they were like, look, we knew you were a coach's wife because VCU is huge in Richmond. It is just the all being presence there. And so basketball's everything. And there, you know, I went to them and was like, Hey, I may or may not need a week off for the NCAA tournament. And, you know, they're <laughs> like, we knew you were a coach's wife when we hired you. Just take your laptop and go. When, when you come back is when you get back, whatever. As long as you have your laptop, we don't care when you come back. I'm like, okay, great. That's the um, job to have. 
it was, I don't, I've never experienced anything like that. Richmond is a town of basketball, basketball, basketball. And so I knew going in, I'm like, this is going to be a problem. I know it's going to be a problem. And they were like, yeah, we knew that. We were just waiting for you to say something. So <laughs> And I was just like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, and so, but shortly after I was like, you know what? I can't keep doing this. I'm running myself ragged. I have too many responsibilities outside of work. This just isn't going to work for me. Um, and so I quit. I did not know that like two weeks later, we'd be moving again. <laughs> so I quit that job. But in quitting that job, they, um, they are now my client as far as I started a work from home or remote healthcare management service. And they are now one of my clients in that service. So it's crazy you know, how things can come full circle, but it's a situation where I can say yes to an assignment or no to an assignment and it's still totally fine. Yeah. um, But yes, I've been that working coaches mom and to all of those women who do it on a day-to-day basis, I have no clue how, because I couldn't do it. No, I couldn't either. We went through a phase where, um, we had a sick kid. We have two kids and we had a sick yes. kid yep. from the end of October mm-hmm. to the beginning of February a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And we were yep. literally at the doctor every single week with one of them. And yep. I told my husband, there's no way I could have even worked because I would have yeah. been fired. And exactly. he would say, well, I could help. I could help. And I'm thinking, you could not help. Like realistically, it sounds good in your mind. Yep. There's no way you could help if they, if they would have called from the daycare and said, you know, your daughter has the fever. You need to come here. There's no way you're going to be leaving work. I love you, but no, that's not how it is. And, okay. and you're so right. And here's the crazy part. I got the bright idea that when we moved to Murray, oh, I'm going to do it again. And I went back to work because again, my kids in school and this is a smaller town. And I'm like, well, there's nothing else for me to do. I have to work to stay sane. Um, on top of everything else that I had going on and, you know, then we got pregnant and I left mainly because I was pregnant. And again, I just didn't feel like I could stick her in daycare and she's eight months today and I still can't put her in daycare. So, um, but again, it was just always that struggle of like having to make up in your mind, okay, basketball is my life. So they're going to have to understand that. Now, luckily I ended up working for a donor to the program. So whenever I'm like, Hey doc, I need time. He's like, eh, go, I might end up there with you, you know? So, (laughs) so it wasn't a big deal. And I've been blessed in that respect for the two jobs that I have had while being a mom and a coach's wife have all been affiliated with the program to the point where they're like, I don't really care, you know, but I know there's so many wives out there that they have just regular jobs that have nothing to do with their husband's job or no affiliation with their husband's job. And I just can't imagine doing that because when I was doing it, I'm like, why are you doing this? To right. yourself? <laughs> no, I so agree. anyway, I'm just like, uh, it, that's just such a hard thing to do. Um, I feel like when you're a coach's wife, you almost find this like inner strength that you you don't even know yes. you have. Like you yes. just, you strap on your big girl pants and you just yep. do what you got to do. And then you get in bed at night and you think, how did I do all of this? Yes. Well, and that's the, the crazy part is I said those exact words yesterday after my, do- my daughter's birthday party. 
I looked and the head coach's wife was standing there and I just kind of looked up at her and I said, I don't know how I did all of this. She said, I don't know how you did it either. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I knew I had to get it done. And so you figure it out. And I don't know if you feel this way, but some days when I just like, you know what, I'm not doing anything today. I feel so lazy. Yeah. And then when I look back, I'm like, I did so much. I don't know why I ever look at myself and like, you're being lazy today. Like there's, there's never a lazy week in all of my existence Yeah, <laughs> with two kids and a coach. That's just not even possible. Nope. 